Hi, I'm Jonathan Edwards, and I want to welcome you to the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. My goal in this podcast is to teach the truth of the Word of God and apply it to our lives that our orthopraxy might be as good as our orthodoxy. May you be blessed. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. Thanks again for joining me. Um, finished up with the series on creation ordinances. That was a good series. Took a little long to cover it due to some breaks that we had, but hey, we're back again, and I'm going to be looking at some hot topic issues over the next several weeks. So these are some just different suggestions that I've had to teach or opportunities that I've had to teach, things that maybe we don't always come up in the regular discussion amongst Christians, but are good things to think about and important things to consider when you are just uh, trying to make decisions in life. And, you know, one of the decisions that every Christian has to make, and really not just Christians, but every person, is what do you do with the body after you die? Or what do you do with the body of a family member after they die? And, you know, this this uh, subject was brought to mind over the last couple of weeks as we celebrated the homegoing of a dear member of the church here. Uh, this individual was super faithful, just a really great personality, somebody who could always be counted on and, you know, over the last couple of years struggled with dementia, but um, the Lord saw fit to take him home without any suffering or without too much suffering. And, you know, when you're in discussions with the family members, you know, it always comes up, do we bury the person, or do we cremate them? And what are the biblical considerations in thinking about burial or cremation? And and I know that I think this is a hot topic because I think some Christians are very opinionated on whether you should be buried or cremated. And um, I think they're so opinionated to the point that they will say that doing one is honoring to God and doing the other is not honoring to God. I think that's how serious and strongly people take the issue of cremation or burial. So, you know, as a pastor, I have these discussions, not not all the time, but frequently, frequently enough, and I thought it would be worthwhile to present some material on this in one of my adult Sunday school classes a number of months back. And I think it'd be also prudent to present it here on the podcast form so that, you know, you can think about these things uh, wherever you may be, in whatever situation you may be in, as you face the possibility of having to deal with the loss of a loved one. I think it's really important to consider these matters ahead of time. So many people put off discussions of death, discussions of funeral arrangements, discussions of what will we do with the body. They put off these discussions until somebody dies, and then at that point, you know, it's like, well, we can't consult the person who's dead. We can't ask them what they wanted to do. I just, I have a, a strong belief, and I think it's really important that Christians spend time thinking about uncomfortable things, and they should do so because it gives you time to process and consult God's Word and pray and then you're not under pressure to make a decision at, at the last moment. You know, you can make a decision and feel confident in that decision. You can make a decision and feel like, oh, you know what? What I've done is honoring to the person I love and also honoring to God. 
through my time as uh, a pastor and in many years of service to the church and uh, just watching people go through this process, those who have thought about these things ahead of time seem to have an easier time coping. Whereas if you haven't thought about these things, if you've, re- if you've not been faithful to think about them or just kind of put them off, um, it, it just compounds the grieving process. And so I would challenge you today, think about what you want to have happen to your body when you die. And then you should talk about that with your loved ones. Make a plan. It doesn't matter if you're 18 or 35 or 75. You should have some type of plan written down for what you want to have happen to you when you die. It should be communicated to the people that you love. If you're married, it should be communicated to your spouse. If you're a single person, maybe uh, a single younger person, then you would communicate it to your your parents. Um, if you're an older person who's single, maybe you would communicate it to your pastor or a trusted friend so that when something does happen to you, they can be prepared to help you, uh, not, well, they're not going to help you, but they're going to be prepared to deal with your remains in a way that is honoring to you and according to your wishes. Okay. Um, it's funny. I chuckle because once you're dead, there's no way they can help you anymore, but they can actually, they can care for your body and do what honors your wishes. All right. That being said, we have to confront the reality that due to sin, Death is a reality of life for everybody. The only people who will not die are those Christians who are alive when Jesus Christ comes to rapture the church, that is to translate the church from earth to heaven. Those are the only people who are not going to die. And since we don't know when Jesus is going to rapture the church, we should all make a plan for what we do when we die. And we have to consider this important truth that when somebody dies, we have to do something with their body. And what is it that we do with the body? As we look at the um, options before us, we have to say, well, what biblical principles inform the decisions that I will make concerning this body? What biblical decisions will inform what I make, what decisions I make concerning this body? Now, You can search the Bible high and low, front to back, and I don't believe that you're going to find a command, a command, okay? You're not going to find a command that tells you to either bury the body or cremate the body or dispose of the body at sea or do any other thing. There's no command on what to do with a dead body, especially for Christians. We have no command all right, in the New Testament on what to do with the body. So what does that mean then? In areas where we have no clear biblical command, that particular topic or that particular issue is an issue that is left into the realm of Christian liberty. What does that mean? Well, a Christian liberty issue is an issue or a situation where the Bible does not give plain instructions on how to handle that particular issue. Um, For example, style of music. What style of music will your church use? There's no specific instructions on what style of music your church should use. There are instructions on what the content of your music should be. It should be deep, rich, and theological. It should be singable. It should be songs that um, give glory to God and build up the saints. 
So there is there are instructions in the scriptures concerning the content of your music, but not the style. So style is a Christian liberty issue. Same thing when we get to this issue of burial or cremation. I don't believe that there is a command to bury, nor is there a command to cremate, nor is there a prohibition for burial or a prohibition for cremation. So this boils down to what is appropriate according to your conscience before the Lord to do with your body. And I'm going to lay out here two different scenarios. I'm going to lay out some arguments that would favor burial, and I'm going to lay out some arguments that would favor cremation. And as I lay these things out, what you need to do is you need to decide which of these ways of thinking most closely aligns with your personal preference, and then you need to go before the Lord in prayer concerning these matters and decide what you want to have happen to your body when you die. Okay, so here's some biblical arguments that are in favor of burial, okay? These are principles. They're not absolutes. They're not commands. They're just arguments in favor of burial. First of all, the biblical record demonstrates that believers typically buried their dead, all right? Abraham, in the book of Genesis, went to great lengths to secure a cave to bury his wife, Sarah. In Genesis chapter 23, verses 3 through 18, he um, searched and found a cave that was appropriate, and then he purchased that cave. He was not willing to take it as a gift. He wanted it to be a purchase so that it was something that he owned, a piece of land that could never be taken away from him, by which to bury his beloved wife, Sarah, and to have her um, memorialized there. And it's interesting, Sarah was buried there, and Isaac and Rebekah were buried there, and Jacob and Leah were buried in that same cave. And so three generations of patriarchs ended up buried in this same uh, burial tomb. Okay, so that's the example of Abraham and the patriarchs. Let's move forward a little bit into biblical history. The man Moses, who was a great servant of God, was also buried by God himself. Recall that Moses sinned by striking the rock instead of speaking to the rock, and so God said that he would not enter the promised land. God was gracious enough, however, to let Moses see the promised land, and so God took him up on a mountain and allowed him to see the promised land, and after that, Moses died and God buried him. The prophet Samuel, in the book of 1 Samuel, was buried in his hometown of Ramah. David, King David, was buried in Zion, which is the city of Jerusalem. And other kings were also buried in Zion, the city of Jerusalem. When we move forward to the New Testament, we find that Lazarus was buried in a cave in the ground. Of course, Jesus was buried in a grave in the ground. Stephen, the first martyr, was buried in a grave in the ground. And Ananias and Sapphira were taken out and buried in a cave in the ground. So there is a rich history of burying believers, okay? And I think one of the reasons that you bury a body is that you give it a resting place, you honor the body, and um, when you have a certain site, like a certain grave site, whether it's a cave or um, a mausoleum or uh, like what's more common in North America is a graveyard. 
you have a place that you can go and visit the body and it becomes a a somewhat sacred place. Not that places are sacred, but it it's sacred in the sense that it's different. It's set apart from other areas of life. And when you go to a graveyard, you are immediately confronted with the reality of death and your own mortality. And so burying somebody in a graveyard is a good reminder of the finality of death and the importance of being right with God before you die. So that's the first argument in favor of burial, that the biblical record shows that believers typically buried their dead. Now, there is a theological argument that can be made. Burial is a picture of the sleeping and waking analogy found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is the famous chapter on the resurrection, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And here's what the verse says, 1 Corinthians 15, 37. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. Okay, So the sowing is the placing of the body into the ground. You're sowing the body. And then you're going to reap something different. In this case, you're sowing the physical body by putting it into the ground, and you're expecting to reap the spiritual resurrected body when Jesus comes back to rapture the church, and all believers who have died will be raised from the dead and given their resurrection body. Uh, Verses 42 through 44 says this, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown, that is, it is placed into the ground, a corruptible body, but it is raised an incorruptible body. It is sown in dishonor, but it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. And if there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So the Christian who dies is pictured as sleeping, and um, that's a euphemism for death. And when a Christian sleeps, okay, when we use this euphemism sleep, it anticipates an awakening, an awakening that will happen in the future. Of course, as I already mentioned, at the um, rapture of the church, when the bodies of Christians will be raised to new life and they will be given their glorified bodies. The burial of the body pictures the temporal sleep of the believer, and it always looks forward to the promised resurrection. Now, this is an inference, okay? The text doesn't directly say this, but this is an inference that we can make from Paul's writing here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. When you sow the natural body, you can expect the harvest to be the spiritual body. Okay, see, that's the, that's the analogy that is being used here. Unfortunately, I think some people would want to make too much of this analogy and say that the body has to be buried in order to be raised from the dead. I think that's an overstatement of the argument that Paul is making. It's an overstatement of the argument because there have been Christians who were burned at the stake, Christians who have been eaten by wild animals, Christians who have been lost at sea, Christians who have perished in natural disasters. They have not been buried, but God will have no problem reconstituting their body from wherever they are. You see, the the body is the temporary home, and it's really the individual, the person, the soul, that is going to be reunited with a glorified body. 
So God is not limited by um, the things that we think are limiting, such as your body all being in one location or you know, your particles being all together. God is not limited by that. So you can't, be, you can't take that analogy too far. So just be mindful of that. It, it's, a, it's a legitimate argument. Okay, I'm not going to say it's illegitimate, but I just want you to know that you can't press that analogy too far. Okay, now let's turn to a third reason in favor of burial. There is a historical precedent for the burial of Christians. The church fathers, okay, so these would be the individuals who wrote after the first century, but before, let's say, the time of Augustine, okay, so somewhere between 100 and 400 AD, the church fathers. The church fathers wrote on the issue of burial and cremation, and they disdained cremation because they viewed it to be a pagan practice. So they preferred burial because it seemed that that's what the people of God did, and we already went through that from the Old and New Testament. And it's apparent that cremation was a pagan practice. Now, you probably know this uh, just through the fact that you've maybe watched movies or read descriptions of the Greeks and how they would often um, create a funeral pyre and burn their dead on the funeral pyre. So that was a practice of the pagans. Now, from the pagan perspective, that was a way to honor their dead. So it wasn't a desecration. It wasn't something that was done to um, minimize the person. It was a way to honor them and to send them into the other world uh, in a fuller sense, okay? But the reality is, it was practiced by pagans, and Christians wanted to be different from pagans, so they did not have funeral pyres, they had burials, okay? So that's just a bit of church history to kind of help shed some light on this particular subject. Now, under Charlemagne, um, who ruled from A.D. 742 to 814, the church and state merged together, they became one, and cremation was declared a capital offense. So cremation went from being something that was practiced by pagans um, and was a pagan ritual to being a capital offense. You were no longer allowed to burn the bodies. And so now, because cremation became a capital offense, now all of a sudden there is some moral authority behind this particular issue. It's moral to bury a person, and it's immoral to cremate a person. This is not what I'm saying. This is what Charlemagne declared, who was ruler of the Roman Empire, um, and the state and the church, you know, so the Roman Catholic Church and the state of Rome had merged together there around uh, AD 72, 742, excuse me. All right, so cremation was declared a capital offense. Heretics became the ones who were burned at the stake, while those who were faithful to the church were given a quote-unquote proper burial. Okay, so burning went from being a way to honor the dead, as the pagans practiced it, to a way to desecrate the dead by you take the people who were not faithful to the Roman Catholic Church and the Roman Catholic teaching, and you burn them at the stake and what did that do? That induced fear amongst the people so that they would be obedient to the things that the church said. So those are some of the arguments in favor of burial. Um, there's one other argument, I would say, and I'm, I'm not even sure how much weight to give this argument because it's kind of a preference issue, but here's what it is. 
burial is more honoring to the body and to the dignity of the imago Dei than cremation. So in those who would argue this are saying that to bury the body is more honoring to the body. It respects the, the fact that people are made in the image of God more than cremation. I don't know if I buy that, but that's an argument that is made in favor of burial. But, uh, you know, you need to consider these things. I'm presenting one side of the situation or one side of the issue to you, and you need to consider this side. And now I'm going to look at the other side of the issue, okay? So here's some arguments that are in favor of cremation. First of all, cremation is never prohibited in the Scriptures. Okay, I think there's one passage in Micah, or Malachi, where um, some bones of a king were burned in order to desecrate those bones, but that is not representative of all the cremations that have ever occurred. In fact, as we had just previously discussed, the pagans often used the process of cremation as a way to honor their fallen dead. Cremation is never prohibited in Scripture. This is the first place where we start any examination of whether a practice is acceptable to God or not. Does God prohibit this practice? And nowhere do we find God prohibiting the practice of cremation. Secondly, in response to the argument that burial is more honoring to the body and the dignity of the Imago Dei than creation is a counterpoint. Asserting that cremation is a desecration of the body is a false equivalence. What does that mean? That means that you're you're making something equivalent that is not actually equivalent, okay? So when you say that cremation is a desecration of the body, that's not a equivalent statement. That's not a true equivalence, okay? There are instances in the scriptures and throughout history where burials and cremations are designed to both desecrate or dishonor the individual. All right, both are true. Both are true. Um, there were mass burial graves used in the genocide of various peoples throughout history. All right, this was a a way. Yes, technically it was a burial, but it wasn't an honorable burial. It wasn't a way to um, honor the Imago Dei. It was just a way to get rid of a large number of people that had been killed either through being gassed or being shot or some other thing that was done often in a time of war. Now, the burning of heretics, if we can go back to that for a moment, was designed to desecrate their bodies. But what often happened is that when a heretic, quote-unquote heretic, was burned at the stake, it had the opposite effect of cementing that person's legacy in church history and in global history. So we remember the individuals who were burned at the stake for their stand against the Roman Catholic Church, and it has actually had the opposite effect of producing more honor than less honor. And we don't look at them and think, oh, you know, it's too bad that they were burned at the stake. Now I can't honor their memory. No, often we think, wow, how courageous they were to stand for the truth in the face of the the horror of being burned alive at the stake, okay? So to say that cremation is a desecration of the body is a false equivalence. If God would have wanted 
if God would have wanted us to not do something to the body in order to maintain its dignity, he would have instructed us to do that. The only thing that God has instructed us to do to maintain the dignity of the Imago Dei is to not murder. To murder takes away the Imago Dei from somebody. And therefore, when you murder, you are required to take the life of a murderer. I'm sorry, when someone is a murderer, the rest of the citizenry is required to take the life of the murderer to preserve the image of the Imago Dei. If God would have wanted to say that about cremation, he certainly could have said that. Furthermore, cremation actually speeds along a natural process. What do you think happens to the body that's buried in the ground? It goes to dust, right? We, we know that you begin as dust, all right? Adam was made from the dust of the earth, and after Adam died, his body decomposed and returned to dust. Genesis 3.19 communicates this fact very well. By the sweat of your face, you will eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. All that cremation does is speed along a natural process. It's not doing anything other than what will happen to you naturally if you put yourself in a pine box and stick yourself in the ground. Okay? God is not limited in putting you back together if you are burned in cremation or if you are decomposed through hundreds of years of natural composition, natural decomposition. And the final point we're going to look at in favor of cremation uh, is a piggyback onto this previous point. That is, cremation nor any other form of disposal of the human body will prevent God from assembling your body in the resurrection. Now, I've already mentioned this two other times in the podcast, so I'm not going to spend a great deal of time on it, but believers have been lost at sea. They've been lost in the wilderness. They have suffered uh, death through natural causes or um, natural events. God knows where your parts are, and he is not going to have any problem putting them back together in the resurrection. God will assemble your body, and God will give you your resurrected body when he, he plans to do that at the right time when Christ returns to the church. So there's nothing that you can do that will prevent God from putting you back together. Therefore, cremation seems to be a very viable option for Christians. Now, what are some other uh, things in favor that are just practical considerations in favor of cremation? Well, first of all, cremation is often less expensive. Um, It's less expensive because you don't have to buy a casket. Um, The cremation is a process that is is quick, okay? It doesn't require embalming or preserving the body, which are processes that take time and money. And often, if you, at least in the state of Ohio, if you get cremated, you can bury two or more, sometimes up to four um, urns in a single burial plot rather than only one coffin in a burial plot. So it could be a less expensive option for families who are financially struggling or who just want to be good stewards with what the Lord has given them and don't want to spend a lot of money on a fancy coffin or a fancy box. Okay? That's another favor in or argument in favor of cremation. And again, you have to decide, ultimately, what your preference is. 
What can you do that will make your conscience clear before the Lord? Romans chapter 14 is very instructive on this particular point. All through the um, all through this chapter, Paul is encouraging Christians not to judge one another, but to do all things with a clear conscience before God. And so when it comes to being buried or cremated, you should think these things through, you should pray about them, and you should do whatever it is that, that will allow you to have a clear conscience before God. Romans chapter 14, verse 16. Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing be slandered. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Okay? It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything by which your brother stumbles. So if your brother has a different perspective than you and they would be... um, harmed in their conscience by doing something different, don't try to argue them out of what they have decided to do. Allow them to do what it is they prefer. Then, here, verse 22, the faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Blessed is he who does not judge himself in what he approves. This is the final point. Don't choose a course of action that would cause you to violate your conscience before the Lord. It's perfectly appropriate for you to pick something different than another believer because of your conscience. It's perfectly appropriate for you to pick something different than your spouse because of your conscience. It's your actions before the Lord. So what do I want you to do? Well, in practical terms, what you should do is discuss these matters with those who are close to you whether it's your spouse or your parents or maybe a trusted friend, you need to discuss these things with someone who is close to you so that they can carry out your wishes and you can have done to you what is appropriate according to your conscience. These are matters which you should not put off. You should be serious about them. Be a good steward. Think ahead of time and make a plan. We know that death comes for everybody And sometimes death comes when we least expect it. Having these conversations and being ready to take care of these matters when the time comes to bury a loved one will greatly alleviate the stress and pressure that you feel at that time. And it will give you space to have a proper and appropriate grieving process. All right, well, that's all I have on this. Uh, Please feel free to comment. If you want to, let me know what you think about this, and I appreciate you taking the time to consider these important truths. God bless you as you seek to serve Him.